24 hours every day, 168 hours every week. Since there's a pretty good chance you're watching this in church and assuming you were on time and don't get up and leave early, you're probably going to spend about one hour here. And that leaves 167 hours throughout the week to use how we choose. Studies show we spend about 54 hours each week sleeping and about 8 hours eating. That's followed up with about 1 hour 45 minutes on the toilet. <laughs> per week. Oh, but that's for men. We spend roughly 15 hours on email and adults are averaging about 73 hours per week screen time. Wow! Every week we spend about 10 hours in the car and about 43 hours at our jobs. And did you know we spend on average a measly 8 minutes a week brushing our teeth compared to the recommended 28 minutes a week? Ew! Studies also show that we'll spend on average 62 minutes complaining this week and we'll only laugh about 42 minutes. Compare that to the 1950s where we laughed a whopping two hours each week. I think it's time we cheer up. It's got to make you think, where do I spend my 167 hours? Ah, hey, Summit Church, you guys doing okay? Not Pastor Jonathan. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's going to be great, I promise. Hey, we're so glad you guys have joined us. Hey, you might not know this, but this weekend, as a church here in Oak Ridge, we are celebrating four years. It's our four-year birthday. Isn't that cool? Right? Where's the cake pops? No cupcakes. I thought you were going to bring them. I don't know. Maybe we'll do something like that for our five-year. But hey, it's been an amazing four years so far, and I uh, just wanted to say Thank you so much to everybody who volunteers in some capacity here at this church. Uh, you have made this all possible. And for some of you, you were a part of our launch team, and you actually came and helped us start this. And some of you are still serving to this day on our setup and teardown teams or in some capacity. So thank you so much. If you give financially to this church, thank you. You make us all possible. This has been an amazing four years, and we're excited about where God is taking us in the future. So thank you so much uh, for being here. So today we are starting a brand new series called 167, and as you kind of got from that video, the reason it's 167 is because we have 168 hours in our week. You do the math, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 168. So we called it 167 because for the most part, you guys are here with us for about an hour. And that leaves us with 167 hours from the time you leave the parking lot until the time that you come back next week. And what we're going to discover in this series is what God intended for us to do during these 167 hours and how they're supposed to line up with God's Word and what we talk about here in the one hour that we're here together. So for some of you, maybe uh, you're kind of new to the church thing, you're kicking the tires, and uh, maybe even for some of you, you don't consider yourselves a Christ follower, you don't consider yourselves a Christian. We're glad you're here. I, knew it, I know it was a big chance for you to come out and join us. But let me just say this, I think this is probably a series and a topic that you're kind of a little attracted to because... For some time now, Christians have been somewhat considered hypocrites, right? I mean, because non-Christians see us and they go, you know, I see what you say you believe. I see what you do when you go up there to that church during that hour. But then I see what you do during the 167 hours that you have throughout the week. And sometimes they don't always line up, right? And I don't mean necessarily bad things. I'm talking about necessarily the good things, how we live out our faith. 
And then for some of us, you know, for the rest of us who are Christians, this is kind of going to be a series that kind of inspires us, that kind of challenges us in our faith, because we're going to learn that our faith is really meant to be lived out during the 167. That's actually where we follow God, It's during the 167. Now, there are some places in the world, some places in America, that what you do while you're at that place is actually encouraged to stay there, right? I mean, you're probably already thinking about the city I'm thinking about, right? It's a city called Las Vegas, right? And Las Vegas has this whole motto. They have a whole slogan. They build commercials around it because they want it to be attractive to you. I have no idea why it's appealing. But their whole motto is this. You say it with me. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. They want you to know, hey, you can come out here to Vegas and you can live it up, choose to do whatever type of lifestyle you want. You can sleep in all day. You can gamble until you can't see straight anymore. You can do whatever you want. And then when you leave and you get on the plane, you go back to wherever you're from. We want you to know that nobody has to know what you do while you're here. Just forget about it, right? Life's good. Nobody has to know. We're not going to tell anybody. What happens in Vegas can just stay in Vegas. But see, there's a problem because a lot of us have kind of taken this philosophy when it comes to, to church. See, what happens in church can just stay at church, right? I mean, you know, I went to church. It was good. Good music. Good sermon, hopefully. Right? And then we just leave and we just choose to live the other 167 completely different. But see, that's not what God's Word has to say about our lives. In fact, it's, it's actually kind of the opposite. In fact, it's the 167 is where we're going to learn that actually where the church is meant to live out what it means to follow God. Now, let me start off this series by saying this, because we're going to talk a lot about the 167, particularly today. And then next week, we're going to talk about a little bit more about how during the 167, we can prepare even better for the one hour that we're here so we can make sure that we maximize our time here. But today, specifically, we'll be talking about what, what we do, particularly through the week. And I want to make sure I start off by saying that I'm not in any way trying to make light of what we do here on Sunday morning. Because you need to understand, as a Christ follower, as a Christian, what we do here when we gather here on Sunday morning is extremely, extremely important for you and your walk with God. Because this is where we come together and collectively we sing and we worship God together through music. This is where, you know, we hear a message that hopefully is going to help prepare us for the week ahead. This is where your kids are going to learn what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in any part of this series, I don't want you to feel like that I'm making light of the situation. In fact, I want to encourage you to be here each and every time that you can possibly be here, not because we're taking attendance or anything like that, but because it's so important to your walk with God. And for those of you who maybe are joining us online today, I just want to encourage you, don't let that be kind of the end. That's really just to be a bridge. It's not supposed to be the end of your, of your walk with God. We want you to come here and experience being the body together. But you need to understand one thing, that coming here to church on Sunday morning and this being a part of your walk, if that's, if that's the, all it is for you, I mean, I just want to tell you, that's it's kind of easy. It's kind of easy to be a Christian here. I mean, think about it. You drove in this morning. Hopefully, our parking team helped you find a parking place, right? And then you came in, and you took your kids to a room, and you dropped them off. And we gave you a whole hour without your kids, right? And they're going to learn what it means to love and respect their parents, 
I mean, that's pretty cool, right? And then you're going to walk away from that room and you're going to stop and get you a nice warm cup of coffee, come in here and sit in a padded seat, right? And then you're going to hear great music that we're not even going to charge you a cover charge for, right? I mean, where else can you do that? I mean, this is a pretty easy place to be a Christian. But you need to understand that the church is not about a place. The church isn't about the building that we're meeting in currently, right? It's not about the one hour that we spend here on Sunday morning. No, the church is meant to be what we do with the 167 hours that God has given us. In fact, I would say a little bit like this. Check this out. Following Jesus is not just about or even mostly about going to church on Sunday morning. Following Jesus is not just about or even mostly about going to church on Sunday morning. But yet, this kind of has become the scorecard for us as Christians, right? I mean, you know the conversations go a little something like this. It's like, well, I'm a Christian, but we ain't been doing very well lately. Well, what do you mean? We ain't been in church in like 10 weeks, right? I don't know why I went hit voice there, but anyway. <laughs> or, or it goes a little something like this, right? Oh, man, we're, we're Christians. We've been doing good lately. We've been to church twice this month, all right? I mean, this, come, this becomes a scorecard for us, is what we do on Sunday morning. It's like we check the box. Oh, I went to church, right? Imagine this reality, okay? Jesus leaves heaven. He comes down to earth, right? He does ministry. And at around the age of 33, he finishes up his ministry. He knows the road that's ahead of him, right? And Jesus gets beaten. He gets whipped. He gets spit on. He gets mocked, and then he goes to the cross, and he dies one of the most horrific deaths known to man, and not just the physical death. See, Jesus experienced something emotionally and mentally inside when he took on the weight of all the sins in the world, both past, present, and future. And he took on all of that, and then he died, okay? You tracking with me? And then three days later, Jesus defeats death. And we celebrate that now called Easter. And Jesus did all of that so that you and I could play country club church, where we could just check the box one hour a week, or we could just live out our faith in the one hour a week. It's kind of insulting, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't think that's what it's about. In fact, that's not what it's about. See, the mission of what Jesus started was never meant to be what you and I are, are in with what you and I do here in this one hour on Sunday. No, it's in the 167 hours when you leave here that God died on the cross so that his mission could be carried out into all the world. But like I said, when we come here on Sunday, it's very important for us to be here. This is where we're going to read God's word. This is where we're going to listen to God's word. In fact, we're going to do that here in just a second. Because there's this guy who actually wrote something about this in the Bible. And his name is James. You may have heard him before. James is actually the brother of Jesus, right? And James writes this book in the Bible. He's very creative, right? They come up with the names called James, right? He wrote this book. And he, he's wrote this book to really inspire the first group of, of Christians so they could understand what it means to live out their faith. And here's what James has to say. James 1, 22 through 25. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must what? Do 
what it says. You can't just listen to God's word and then do nothing with it. See, when James wrote this, they didn't have actual physical copies uh, of a Bible that you and I know that some of you might have brought in here today. They didn't have an iPhone where you could just download version, right, and have a Bible app there on your phone where you get your push notifications through the week to help, help you, right? No, James is saying at this time, they, the way they heard the word is that they would hear people tell of what has happened. And James is saying, hey guys, listen, you can't just listen to God's word. You actually have to begin to do something with what you hear. And he goes on to write this. Check it out. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. James is saying, guys, listen, don't just listen to God's word and do nothing with it. You're only fooling yourselves if you do that. He's saying, church, listen, if all you ever do is show up to church on Sunday morning and you don't do anything with the 167 that I give you to carry out my mission, you're only fooling yourselves. And there's another part of this that he goes on to say. Look at this. He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, there's that word again, do, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Action. See, what, what James is saying is that, yeah, you can go to church and you might hear something great, right? But it's not until you actually put what you heard into action during the 167 is when you're going to become blessed by what you heard. The blessing is tied to the action. The blessing is tied to the action. In fact, I would go so far to say that you're just fooling yourself. Check this out. That just attending leads to just pretending. Just attending leads to just pretending. See, James is saying, hey, you're only fooling yourselves. Let me, let me explain it to you like this if you're not checking with me. So here recently, I changed doctors and I, I moved uh, from a, a practice over in Kernersville over to a practice here in Oak Ridge. I want to be a little bit more disciplined with uh, the relationships that I have and make sure that I'm taking advantage of every opportunity I have to live out the 167. So I moved over here, and I don't know if you've ever changed doctors, but there is a lot that goes in with doing that. I mean, they got to know like your whole family record. You got to start all over with all the paperwork. You're filling out like 20 pages, and you're like, can you guys just share information? Is there a way, I mean, in this century for us to be able to, the technology to be able to talk? I don't know what's going on here. But you got to start all over. And then they also do something else, right? So when you go to a new doctor and you start all over, they want to have their own records of when you came to them, what your health looked like. So they start out by giving you a physical. So this happened for me, okay? So I went in a couple of days before my physical, and they do the blood work. You've, you've probably had that done before where they draw, like, insane amounts of blood from your arm, right? You're like, how many of those things do you have? So I, I did all that, and then two days later, I go back to the doctor, right? And we sit down, and the doctor's done, you know, they've done this physical on me, and they sit down with the computer, and we're looking at my blood work, and I mean, there's all these abbreviations and all these numbers, and I'm like, I don't understand any of that. Can you get an interpreter for me? But she's like, okay, so look, this is, this is your numbers. All these look pretty good. And there's one area where I'm always very intrigued to find out what my numbers are because of my family history. 
we have some cholesterol issues. Maybe you have some of those issues yourself, but heart issues and stuff like that. So I'm always very intrigued to see where my cholesterol numbers are. So she's going down through those numbers, and she's like, well, everything looks, you know, fairly good. None of these are that too bad. They're not too bad. We can live with it. I'm like, you can live with it. I got to live with it. What are you talking about, lady? I mean, come on. And then she gets to one number called triglycerides. You guys heard of that before, right? So she gets to that number, and she says, look, this is, um, this is where you're at, right? And it's a little high. I'm like, okay, what's a little high? And she said, well, here you are, and over here is where we'd like for you to be, right? I'm like, okay. And she says, here, here's what I think we can do that we can fix that pretty easily, okay? And she gives me instructions, right? And she says, hey, I don't know what type of foods you eat, but if you eat these types of foods... You know, if you could cut some of those out and eat a little bit more of this, right? And I'm like, I don't eat any of that kind of food because I got a wife that puts cauliflower and turkey in everything. I mean, she loves me that much, right? So she goes to this, she says, you can eat a little bit of less than that. And she goes, have you heard of this thing called exercise? And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And she says, you already considered doing a little bit more of that. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. That means playing golf. I just got to walk a little bit more out once I get out of the golf cart, I guess. Right, so and then she says, "Hey, another thing you could do is is take some fish oil." I'm like, "Okay, I've heard of that fish oil. That won't be too bad, right? Take a couple of those a day, and then in six months come back, and we're going to recheck everything, right?" Now let me ask you something. If if I were to decide what my health is going to look like, what my triglycerides are going to look like in six months, based on me giving the doctor one hour but not choosing to do anything with what she told me, you would say, that's insane. Nothing's going to change, Andy. What are you thinking? I mean, you, you actually have to listen to what the doctor says. And I would say, you're exactly right. But yet when it comes to church and our walk with God, we don't take that approach. We just think, oh, you know, I can, I can get by. I'll just give God that hour. And then we leave and we don't do anything during the 167 with the hours that God has given us. See, we've got it all wrong. See, this one hour has to begin to influence the 167. In fact, this is the reason a lot of people have kind of given up on church. I'm going to be honest with you. It's because I hear it all the time. They'll say, hey, Andy, you know, we, we, used, to, we used to go to church. We were, our marriage was struggling, and we gave church a try. What do you mean you gave church a try? Well, we, we tried it. I mean, you know. What did you try? Well, we, we showed up. Well, did you, did you ever put anything into practice where the Bible has to say about how the husband is supposed to love his wife the way that Christ loved the church? Or wives, did you ever do what the Bible said as far as how we're supposed to submit to one another and put the other's needs before our own? Well, no, but we, you know, we went to church. Or we think that way about our finances, you know, well... We tried going to church. Our finances was, you know, really bad. And you're not going to believe what they said in order for our finances to, to actually get better. They said we had to give away 10% of what we had. That sounds crazy, right? See, we go to church and we just check the box and we think, oh, I went to church. And, but yet we, we don't see the blessings of God come until we actually put in the action. Or maybe for some of you, you deal with fear or depression or anxiety. And for you, maybe you just need to begin to to believe what God's promises have to say about your life, the one that created you. See, the 167 has to change. We have to begin to live out and to put into action 
what we learn here in this hour and what we hear. In fact, I would go as to say this. We need to begin asking this question. What do I need to do on Monday with what I heard on Sunday? What do I need to do with Monday with what I heard on Sunday with, with any topic? What do I need to begin to do on Monday? What do I need to begin to do with the 167 hours with what I heard in the hour that I was at church? See, what happens here cannot stay contained here. We cannot be the church of what happens here stays at church. It can't be like Vegas, okay? Let me tell you why this is so important, okay? Here we go. Not only are you robbing yourselves of the blessings that James talks about, but there's another piece of the puzzle. And I alluded to it a little bit earlier today when I talked about, hey, if you're a non-Christian and you're here today, this whole topic's going to be intriguing to you. You need to understand that when you're out in the 167 during the week, that people are watching you. People are watching you. And they're just wondering, well, is this another one of those hypocrite Christians? Or, or is this actually somebody that's authentic? Can I tell you that what we do here on Sunday will never become attractive to people if we don't become attractive with our faith walk in the 167. See, the 167 is where the non-Christian, the people who, who don't consider themselves Christ followers, that's where our faith will become attractive to them and how we live. This is the reason that we as a church tell you all the time that, hey, for too long the church has been known for what it's against, Right? That's all the community knows, uh, people who don't consider themselves Christ followers. All they know about the church is that, hey, we're hypocrites, and they know what we're against. Hey, if you want to go to church, you better clean up that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's what we say. That's what they know. But this is the reason that we want to change that conversation to not what we're against, but what we are for. Because God came to die for those, to show them that he is for them. See, it's in the 167 that you and I have the chance to be able to show our community what it looks like for the church to actually be for them. This is where we can live out our faith in a way that will begin to look attractive to people. This is the reason that when we purchased 14 acres of land, and here recently we've been down there doing some work on it, right? And you've probably noticed in the last couple months or so, we put up a sign, right? Let me tell you how this went. I have some other, other churches that was like, I saw you put a sign up on the, on the property. I'm like, yeah, we sure did. Like, so just wonder, how come you guys didn't, uh, you know, you didn't put a sign up like everybody else would? And I'm like, well, what would that look like? And they say, well, you know, like future home of the Summit Church, right? And that'd be great, right? I mean, we, we might even see some traction from that. People might actually come here on Sunday. But can I tell you what a sign that says future home of the Summit Church communicates? It's a Come and see us during the one hour. Hey, that's going to be our future home. We're going to build a building up there. It's going to be awesome. And we just want you to come and see us for that one hour. Hey, that communicates, come to us and we can fix your life, right? Hey, come and see, come and see you. Give us an hour. We're going to have a building. That's our home. So no, we put a sign up that looks like this. You've probably seen it. It says, we are for Northwest's. And we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, why we would choose to do that when we were in our whole personal series where we talked about how our faith 
is personal, but it was never meant to be private. And I explained that the sign that we put up and, and the reason that we went with this is because we wanted to create common ground for you to be able to have some conversation. See, what this sign says to me is that this is more communicates about the 167. That we're going to be a church that's not a come and see, we'll fix you kind of thing. We're going to be a church that during the 167, we're coming to you. We're coming to you to live out our faith, to let you see what it looks like to be a Christian. We want to be people that's known to be authentic. We want to be people that's known to show our communities that we are for them, that we are for students, that we're for kids, that we're for teachers, that we're for parents, that we're for marriages, that we're for singles, that we're for the people who are lonely, the people that are in need. We want to be known in our community for what we're for. Now, I'm excited about what we do up here on Sunday morning. I'm excited about what God allows us to do. I, I'm so grateful that we have a church where we have a fantastic band. And for the most part, you hear, get to hear a great message, right? And then you do something with that. I'm so excited that we have family ministries that I believe are second to none, where your kids can learn what it means to have a relationship with the one who created them and learn what it means to live out their faith. But can I, can I be honest with you? As excited as I am about what we do in the hour, I'm much more interested in our church being known for what we do in the 167. I'm much more interested in being known in our community for what you and I do throughout the week to show our community what faith in Jesus Christ looks like and the hope that he can bring to the lives. I'm much more interested in being known for how you are showing this community what we are for, right? See, this, this communicates to people who are not here yet, but let me tell you who else it communicates to. It communicates to you, and it communicates to me, and here's what I mean by this. See, it would be really easy during this time, in this season for us as a church, as we're talking to architects and we're dreaming things up and we're thinking about what the building's going to look like, and let me tell you, it is crazy exciting. And there's going to be plenty of times we're going to talk about that. We're going to have to talk about the steps it's going to take to be able to get there. But what this sign does for me and you is it helps us stay focused on what the mission is. The mission is never going to be about the one hour. The mission is about what you and I do during the 167. The mission is about showing people the love of Jesus Christ. See, our vision statement here at this church is to receive and to Share the love of Jesus Christ. And the sharing part starts when you leave here and you go out into the week and live out your faith during the 167. So this sign is just as much for you and me as it is for our community so that we make sure that we stay focused. And let me tell you, we're going to do some fun things as we get closer to moving in this building to make sure that we stay focused on those who are not here yet. And I want to show you one of them this morning. This is just one thing that we're going to do. We're going to be doing this a lot, and this is not something that you need to say, oh, I've got to grab one of these today unless this applies to you, okay? This is just a bag, right? But a few weeks ago when we were in our personal series, we talked about finding moments that God has given us in our lives and turning them into opportunities, opportunities for us to be able to live out our faith during the 167. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the housing market is booming in this community. Have you noticed that? I mean, there's neighborhoods going up everywhere. Or maybe you're seeing a for sale sign in your neighborhood, right? 
People are building, people are moving, people are, are transitioning into new homes and all kinds of things, right? And we believe this is a moment that we can turn into an opportunity, a place for you to be able to create some common ground to show our community that we are for them so they will ultimately find out that God is for them. So here's what we're going to ask you to do, okay? We want you to pay attention to around you, the neighborhood and everything across from you. And as you see maybe the sign change from for sale to sold, right? The next week when you're here, these bags are going to be available back here at the back of this room for, I don't know, until they get old or we run out. I don't know. We're going to buy some more when we run out. But these bags are going to be available. And the next time that you're here on Sunday, we want you to pick up one of these bags. And here's what we want you to do, okay? Take it home with you. And then when you see the moving van show up at their house, you guys know what it's like to move. I mean, it's insane, you know? You basically take everything that you've collected over, over how many years. I mean, you've got to clean the attic out. I, I dread that one day, right? You've got to get everything that you've collected in your life, and you've got to pack it into a box. And hopefully you label the box, right? And then somebody's going to come or you're going to rent a vehicle or what, and you're going to pack all these boxes, and then you're going to move over to this new house, and everything, you got to get the truck back, so everything has to come into the house and drop it, right? You remember what that's like? It's insane, right? And if you do this, you probably got a goal, and the goal for the night when your first night is to what? Make sure everybody gets fed and make sure everybody has a place to lay their head. You got to make sure everybody gets fed and make sure everybody has a place to lay their head, right? We think this is a moment for you to turn into an opportunity. So when you see the moving van show up, we want you to grab your little bag, get your family, walk across the street, okay, and knock on the door. All you introverts are freaking out right now, right? <laughs> You're like climbing under your seat. It's okay. James says we got to begin to put into action what we hear, okay? We want you to walk across the street and inside this bag... We've already put some stuff in here. There's a card for you to be able to add some more things to it. But we got paper products. We got plates, napkins, toilet paper. I mean, you move in the house, you're like, where is the toilet paper? i got to go to the bathroom, <laughs> right? We got every, this is like a first night survival kit, right? But it's only good if you pay attention and you take it when they move into their house, right? And because of the generosity of Domino's, we've taken care of the food too, Okay. There is a gift card in here for them to be able to call Domino's and get a pizza delivered to their house because they ain't thinking about getting fed, right? Oh, my goodness. You're going to take care of the food for me too? Oh, that's awesome. What kind of church would do that? Who would do that? Hey, it's a church that's concerned about the 167 that would do that. It's a church that's focused on showing our community that we are for this community. You call me crazy, but I believe there is a day coming because of your generosity at this church, because you're going to do stuff like this so stinking well. I believe there is a day coming that people are going to move into the Northwest community, not just because there's good schools here, not just because we have a great town park and all those good things going on for us, but I believe if we get this right, there is a day coming where people will move into this community because they have heard about a group of people at some crazy church that meets in a school that is so concerned that they want to show their community that they are for them, that they go, man, I don't know what in the world they're doing up there on Sunday morning at that school when they unload those trailers. But what they do during the 167 is so stinking attractive. I don't know if I believe what they believe in yet, but I got to go check out what they're doing. That community is focused on those 
in the community to show them they're for them. We believe that if people will begin, if we can get this right and we can show people that we're for them, that eventually that people are going to want to find out what this is all about. See, it's the 167 hours that has to become attractive to people who aren't here yet. And it's going to take you and it's going to take me doing our part. Now, before I let you go, I want to make a promise to you, okay? Here's my promise. As your pastor, as long as God allows me to be the pastor here, and our staff, our amazing staff and our amazing group of volunteers, my promise is to you, as long as God allows us, we're going to get up on Sunday morning early. And we're going to come in here and we're going to do our best to create an experience where you can come and experience Jesus and God in a refreshing way that hopefully is going to give you some hope to your life. That's hopefully going to, hopefully going to encourage you, to challenge you. But here's the deal. Is at the end of our time, just like today, at the end of our time when we leave here, it's on you. You're going to have to choose. You got 167 hours and the clock's ticking. What you going to do with it? Are you going to do what James said and begin to live out your faith? Take what you hear you hear here today and begin to change what you do in the 167? Or are we going to continue just to play church? I'm telling you guys, our community desperately needs to know that there is somebody that is for them. They desperately need to know that the hope that you and I get to experience here on Sunday morning. So here's a question I want to leave you with. What are you going to do with your 167? What are you going to do? The clock's ticking. You got 167 hours before you're back here next week. And I believe if we get this right, we can not only show people that this church is for them, but I believe we'll become so attractive to people that they'll want to find out what it's all about. And ultimately, they're going to find out that God is for them. And they're going to accept the free gift that you and I have been able to accept and receive. 167 hours. It's your choice. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you this morning for, for James. Thank you, God, for just uh, the reminder today that it's not enough just for us to be able to hear what your word has to say, God. But at some point, we have to begin to do something with it. At some point, God, we have to put what we've heard into action. And God, I believe that this group of people right here that you've allowed to be here at this church, you, you ordained this moment for a reason, God. You allowed this church to be here in this community for a reason. And God, I believe as we begin to live out our faith in the 167 that this community is going to be changed because people are going to find out that the church isn't a place that's just against everything, that the church is actually a people that is for them. God, I pray that as we leave here today that this wouldn't just be another Sunday where we hear a message and we do nothing with it, God. I pray today as we leave here we'll be inspired, challenged in a way, God, that will change our communities forever. 
God, thank you for each person that's here. Thank you that you're going to use them in a mighty way to change somebody's eternity. Thank you for how you choose to use the local church. I pray this in Jesus' name.